Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Today's show is brought to you by OnPay, the new standard in payroll. You can pay employees and contractors in minutes, automate your payroll taxes and filings, as well as provide health benefits and HR in all 50 states. For more information, visit buildingthefutureshow.com slash onpay. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Praveen Penmetza. He's the co-founder and CEO of Monarch Tractor. Praveen, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I think what you guys are doing is really innovative and cool, but maybe before we get into all that stuff, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Yeah, I was uh, born in India. Okay, very cool. Uh, you know, did my undergraduate there. What did you uh, take? I was always a car guy. Okay. So mechanical engineering, yeah. Okay. What got you passionate about cars? Um, it's something that my, I think, dad was into. Okay. Sure. No, <laughs> like makes sense. Often happens. Uh, so, and the interesting thing was when I was growing up in India, there were only like four cars that you could buy. And the economy had still not opened up. Uh, I'm dating myself here. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I used to read all these old magazines uh, that were available as crap. Uh, you know, and dream of coming to America and working on like uh, high-speed cars and uh, motor sports. So that's what got me into mechanical engineering. Interesting. And then I came over to, uh, um, you know, to the U.S. Uh, on a scholarship for, uh, for my master's in aerodynamics and structures. Interesting. Um, and I ended up in Cincinnati, uh, University of Cincinnati, where... Uh, like I said, I did my master's um, in structures and aerodynamics. And then I was looking for like uh, companies that were doing not just automotive and racing things, but also working on technology. Okay. Because, uh, you know, racing as a business is not, you know, is not something that companies are <laughs> are successful at for a long time. Race car <laughs> companies tend to go out of business pretty quick. And I knew enough about business to know that. So I said, you know, I should look for a company that does like other things apart from racing. Interesting. And that's how I ended up in Southern California at a company that was doing advanced research for the army. Okay. And also doing race car projects. Interesting. And uh, my first project was an autonomous hybrid robot, um, you know, for DARPA. That sounds really cool, actually. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it really worked out. Oh, that's that cool. Point. So walk us through the rest of your career up into uh, up until coming up with the idea for Monarch and what exactly is it? Yeah. So um, having been exposed to, to robotic electrification and also this culture of development that you have in um, you know, in, in California, sure. especially at that time, 
uh, was eye-opening for me. The fact that a small group of like 20, 30 people can do amazing things, right? So, um, and I, I did a lot of those kind of electric car projects <clears throat> and research projects, uh, but then realized that a lot of these R&D projects were not going to market. Right. And that's what led me to start Motivo, uh, Motivo Engineering uh, in 2010. Okay. which was a company that I started along with my co-founder at, uh, at uh, Monarch, Dr. Zachary Omohundro, to basically work on advanced projects, but projects that will go to market, right? So we started working with startups out of Silicon Valley. We started working with big corporate innovation groups uh, on electric cars, electric planes, electric boats, uh, battery systems, advanced uh, autonomous robots, autonomous cars, and then we started getting approached by farmers, Kevin, like five years ago at my previous company. Okay. And these farmers came to us and said, hey, you're doing all these fantastic robots, uh, you know, for automotive and aerospace. They look great, but we have some problems, real problems out in the field. Can you help us with robotics for planting, robotics for cultivating? And that's how we started getting into agriculture technology which is interesting in the sense, even though I come from a farming family, um, you know, my dad still has rice fields in India. Interesting. Um, to be honest, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, uh, I do not claim to be a rice farmer. <laughs> <laughs> my dad is going to call me out on it if I do that. But, you know, I kind of went away from farming, um, you know, towards technology because, you know, it, it wasn't seen as something that was exciting when I was growing up. It was very much a lot of work um, not enough reward, not enough tech, no excitement there for sure. And uh, having seen my dad go through his ups and downs, uh, it didn't really entice me. So to kind of come back to farming and farming technology was interesting for me at my previous company. But then that, that's how the tractor opportunity really popped up, Kevin, is in talking to these farmers and in developing these solutions, we realized that we would develop these fantastic advanced robots uh, or planting machines that often would get attached to a tractor. And then we would look at this tractor and we'd be like, wow, right? This thing is still so old school in terms of what it is, what it sure. does. We could not even get electric power out of it, right? So we would attach our robot to the tractor and be like, oh, we need our own power. Okay, where do we get that <laughs> from? Okay, let's add a generator. Let's add a GPS sensor, right? We started adding all these things. And we were like, wow, right? If we really had an... Uh, a real next generation tractor, we could solve these farmers' problems much more easily. And then that's when I had this big epiphany that the tractor is the most important vehicle on the planet, but surprisingly, it's the most ignored vehicle for the last 100 years. So that's what led us to start Monarch Tractor. Interesting. So why do you think it's been so kind of stagnant in becoming modern or, or like how come you guys were the first ones to do this if it was such an important vehicle for so many countries of the world yeah uh, to understand the why there kevin i think we need to look at our food and agriculture ecosystem okay and the developments that have happened over the last 50 years there you know we all are aware of this green revolution that happened um, 50 years ago that really led to the increase of food supply. The way that happened was through, um, you know, increased inputs, right? 
which is whether it's chemicals like fertilizers, pesticides, fungicides, etc. And then also the the food and ag market got bifurcated um, into two two segments, which is commodity crop, which is the grains like the corn, wheat, uh, etc., which are these large farms. Uh, often run by large operations, and that's where all the technology focus has been. The fruits and vegetable market has always been smaller, run by smaller family-owned farms for the most part, and the technology focus has not been there because the economics there are, are razor-thin. Farmers have razor-thin margins, especially if you're in the fruits and vegetables market. So since they are on razor-thin margins, um, the money is not there, so the equipment has not seen any development. Instead, the focus has been on how much can we put into the land, whether it's in the, you know, whether it's through fertilizers and pesticides, et cetera, and really focusing on the increase of production through that versus mechanization. So we are now paying the price for that, right? And if you look at all the Netflix documentaries right. um, of what our food ecosystem is doing, and the farmers basically have not gotten access to the great, latest and greatest technology. Interesting. But now your question is, okay, why now, right? Sure. Or what has changed now that you guys think that there should be a focus on the tractor? And there, now the, the three megatrends, Kevin, that makes this the right time for Monarch Tractor. The three megatrends, and these are global, is... Number one is there's a labor shortage in agriculture. I mean, uh, I told my story of how I walked away from ag, right? But that's a common story around the world. Right. Whether it's China, whether it's India, Africa, Europe, America, even Japan, right? The average age of farmers in Japan is like 67 years old, wow. average. Wow. It's crazy, right? So there's not enough people. So there's a huge labor shortage in farming right now, uh, globally, number one. That's the first mega trend. The second mega trend is we are all now more focused on emissions and right. sustainability, which is huge. So the emissions and sustainability means we now want to know how our food is grown, what went into it, how much water was used, uh, uh, how much uh, pollutions were emitted, what chemicals went in, et cetera. So that's the big mega trend. And it's not limited to Europe and America, even in India, even in Asia, um, other parts of the world. Everybody now is trying to look for cleaner food. The third thing that's happening is uh, there's a huge scrutiny on the data side as well. Okay. What I mean by that is farmers are getting regulated. Uh, there's compliance regulations now on what they can and cannot do, whether it's on the uh, labor side, whether it's on the food side, whether it's on their operational side, there's a huge uh, force acting against them in terms of uh, compliance and legislation. So between these three, the scrutiny on their operations, the sustainability and emissions, and the labor shortage, all three of them are working against farmers at a time when our food, our food ecosystem needs more support. Interesting. So this is how... Yeah, in Monarch Tractor, we feel like by being all electric, we can really impact the sustainability side and the emission side. Farmers can do more with our tractor with zero emissions. By having it be driver optional, we take out the labor component from their operations and say, if you want to do more in your field uh, because you think it's the right thing to do versus just pumping in chemicals, 
uh, here's an option, right? We'll take the labor cost out of that decision matrix. Well, so the driver optional side allows farmers to do more there. Sure. And the data side is, uh, you know, by using the same sensors that run our automation, we are also the data hub for not just our tractor and the farmer, but also the next generation of implements. So all these three together are answering those three mega trends that are working against the farmer. Interesting. So how did you guys fund the like this early development of a tractor? Did you guys raise some money? Did you get money from farmers or walk us through how you funded? Because building obviously like an autonomous tractor, it's never really been done before. I know we have autonomous vehicles, but like starting from something from scratch, it's it's costly, right? Yeah, for sure. We have an advantage in the sense I've done this my whole life. Okay. Zachary's done this his own life, right? So we, the challenge was the technology components were there in other industries, whether it's automotive okay. or aerospace or, um, um, you know, even in robotics, right, and manufacturing. So the, cha- the components of the technology are, have been there, Kevin. It's just that there's been no focus on the agriculture side. Got you. Okay. Um, the second thing is having done this in automotive in my past life, it allowed me to kind of say, have a template for how to go about it. Got you. Um, and uh, interesting story there was, you know, we had worked on a, you know, on, on a program for, uh, you know, for the military, which was about like, how can we provide clean, sustainable energy out in the middle of the field? Right. Like when they have forward operating bases, right? These are powered by generators. So the army was trying to figure out how they can do a microgrid with vehicles there. How can you power uh, the base from the electric hybrid vehicles that are going to be coming uh, right. in the future? For the, you know, was a project that we did. And then I ended up in India in a village uh, at a time when there was no power there. And I was sitting there thinking, you know, I could really use one of those <laughs> electric vehicles here. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's a ridiculous idea to have one of these military vehicles in the middle of a village, right? But then I was like, you know, but if we make it a tractor, if it's electric, and if it could act as a power source as well, that might be a game changer. So that concept, then Zach and I riffed on it. And then we saw a proposal from USAID saying, how can we power agriculture globally? Uh, and this was a grand challenge. Okay. Uh, it was an open solicitation to, to everybody around the world, right? There were like 500 people who applied to this. Wow. So we were one of them and we actually got selected to do an electric tractor that also acts as a power source for uh, the global small farmer. So that's how this whole project got started five years ago. Very cool. That's awesome. So, yeah. So. Okay. So then obviously, like, I want to talk a little bit more about some of the features that you guys have actually built into these tractors because you have like some artificial intelligence stuff. You have the collision prevention. Like, right. you have a lot of stuff that some a lot of cars that on the road have and and sometimes like a lot of high-end cars have so how did you decide which features to take from you know traditional vehicles that we drive every day and put into the tractor yeah that's a great question kevin 
and we actually got it wrong the first time around. <laughs> okay, interesting. We, actually, we did a yeah, so we we learned from that is what we did initially was we made an electric tractor, okay, very small, okay, and uh, we made it connected and shareable, and we went and tried to deploy it in. Uh, with California farmers on one end of the spectrum, and we did a test in an Indian village with real farmers. Okay. And we learned a lot. We learned that farmers, uh, you know, the electric tractor was intriguing for them. They could save some cost on diesel, but that was not a game changer for them to adopt it and pay for the tractor. It was not enough. Interesting. It was intriguing, but not enough. What we learned was the driver is a major component in that. Uh, in India, okay. they just don't have enough tractor drivers for experience. And in the U.S., they're very expensive. It's like 20 to $25 an hour for you to hire a tractor driver. Okay. Because they're doing more than driving the tractor. Okay. And that's when we What is that? that Sorry. It's not about the... Sorry yeah. to interrupt you. When you say it's more yeah. than driving the tractor, for people that don't know what that means, what, what more do they do than just drive the tractor? Yeah, and that's what we learned as well is that, you know, we, we went to India and we went to the California farmers thinking, oh, you know, tractor driving, just like car driving, right? Absolutely not. Interesting. <laughs> the tractor driver, while he's driving the tractor, which is the steering and the throttle and the pedal and the brake and everything else, he's also controlling the implement. He's essentially doing an operation. Okay. And he's watching out to see, um, you know, what adjustments he needs to make on the implement. A skilled tractor driver does that, okay. Uh, especially in fruits and vegetables. So, and he also has a lot of control on the tractor side. It's not just about like I can drive this at whatever speed I want to. If you're spraying, there's a certain speed you need to run the spray at. Um, if you're mowing, there's certain things you need to watch out for to adjust so that you don't damage the implement or the tractor or get into a situation. So it's a very skilled operation that the driver is doing okay. and not just driving the tractor. And once we learned that, we were like, wow, if, if it's all about the operation and not the tractor, so what, what can we do? And that's how, Kevin, we, we started looking at how can we automate the operation? And we said, you know, we need to look at how can we make the driver an optional piece. And what some of our competitors are doing who, who are much more recent to this journey is the first inkling that you and I might have, right? Because we're exposed to technology, we'll be like, well, why do we need a driver at all? Let's just make a robot that can do this whole operation by itself. Right. And that, that was our first inkling as well, as well, you know, this whole tractor should be a robot. Let's go do that. And that's when we learned that farmers actually have a lot of generational insights. Right. What I mean by that is there's micro soil climates, there's micro weather changes that happen. They know farming, especially in fruits and vegetables, is not just a big constant, right? Unlike, say, corn or soy in middle America. Uh, there's a lot of reacting that needs to happen. The farmer knows that this row needs a little bit more spray because it's at an incline and, uh, you know, there's, oh, there's some terrain there. The soil is not great. So they adjust for it because they've been doing this for generations. How is the robot going to know that? Right. Yes, it can eventually learn. But in the meantime, you lose one or two harvests, right? And the farmers cannot afford that. So we said, well, if they already know all this technology, and if they have the insights, our tractor should be a tool. They have the people, they have the implements. 
how can we create a tool that is a bridge between the people and tools they have today and where they need to be in the future. So that's how we came up with this tractor, Kevin, that still looks like a tractor. A normal tractor driver can drive it. He can jump on and drive it. He doesn't need retraining or an engineering degree to run our autonomous <laughs> electric tractor. Yeah. And, but while he's doing it, we learn from him, right? Okay. So as he applies this implement, yeah, we learn from him and then we can replicate the operation without him having to do this, this operation 10 times. So for example, when they do spraying out in the field, they do it eight to 12 times a year. Okay. Isn't it crazy that this person is sitting there doing the same thing eight to 12 times a year? Yeah, totally. Like sitting in, and usually in the middle of the night, right? So these are not great uh, jobs, which is why people don't want to do them. Uh, they're dangerous because you're exposed to chemicals, the tractor safety issues, etc. So we said, well, let's take their best tractor driver, have them do the operation once, and then this, drive, this tractor driver can now manage the fleet. So we made our tractor all electric for emissions, but also to run our sensors. We made it driver optional so that um, you know, the farmer can use their existing tractor driver to train it, but going forward, it can repeat the operations without the driver, saving them money. Interesting. And then we also added uh, onboard storage compute sensors, like our tractor has a small micro weather station, which means we can react in real time if the weather changes or the wind speed picks up. We can actually change the operation. So that's how we came up with all of these features, Kevin, was looking at what the farmers' challenges were, how they're on an operation today, and then coming up with a tool that they can use right away. Interesting. Risk. So when it's oper like it, these tasks that have to happen in the middle of the night, yeah. at what point, yeah. like, do I have to physically start the tractor and, and like watch it and wait for it to finish? Or can it just kind of hand like, do it 100% on his own? I guess, like, how autonomous is the actual tractor? Yeah. Oh, it's fully autonomous from that perspective. Okay. You can, all you would need to do is to make sure that the charge, at this point, the tractor's plugged in, charged right. up. Okay. When it's ready for an operation, uh, using our portal, you can kind of ask, tell the tractor which tract of land you wanted to do, what operation you wanted to do, and when. Um, and unhook the tractor from the charge card, make sure that, you know, if you're doing a spray operation, for example, that the implement is hooked up and the, and the, the spray materials are loaded up, and then you hit go. And after that, you can track the tractor in real time from oh, the cool. barn through our app, and you get alerts if it sees something. For example, if it, somebody gets in front of it, it'll stop and send you an alert. If it sees something that is, out of the ordinary while it's doing its operation, it'll stop and say, hey, wind speed picked up. And you told me that I should not be spraying over three miles an hour. So I'm going to pause for now. You want me to continue or do you want me to wait until the wind speed dies down again? And then you just respond back via text and the tractor does it again. So oh, those are the, basically moving the tractor driver from the tractor back to the barn. And he's now managing a fleet of these tractors versus being out in the middle of the field all, all night. Interesting. No, that's, that's really cool how you've taken a bunch of technology. Cause like some of the stuff that you've, you've just mentioned is in cars, isn't in cars. Some of the 
this stuff like the no- yeah. the notification, the person detection stuff. Sure, that's in cars, but that's also in like a bunch of smart security cameras and and stuff like that, right? So you've merged a bunch of kind of worlds into your tractor. Exactly. And the challenge for us, Kevin, was we had to take it out into the middle of the field. We had to make it what we call ag robust. Right. Um, Like, for example, mapping, right? Sure. If you're out on public roads, there's a lot of mapping that's already happened uh, by some of these large tech companies. The fields are much more dynamic, right? The farmer sometimes like completely changes the layout of the field, changes the crop, changes the entry, roads change, there's no signs, there's no markings. All the things that an autonomous car looks for, we don't have that advantage there. Right. So we had to kind of really focus in on that problem, and that's where our Cortex focus was, is from an, a farm-focused AI stack is is our technology but you're right we were able to build on a lot of hardware and software tools that uh you know a lot lot of automotive companies and tech companies have already invested into interesting so how do you manage how does the tractor know where it is like are using gps coordinates or or how does that work like yeah you're touching upon a great challenge yeah that's the first challenge that we had to solve was if you look at, all of us are now kind of familiar with the autonomous car side of things, right? Yeah. Um, so you have LIDARs and radars and cameras and uh, positioning sensors on the car that allow you to do that. Out in the middle of the field, Kevin, our, we have a big challenge. Sure. Is, for example, if you're spraying, it's actually going to like fog up your LIDARs. It's going to like, oh, interesting. the data is not going to be good, right? Radar has a lot of challenges with like things like grass. We have to sometimes, as a tractor, has to go through grass. We have to right. go through it. Right. A car might see it as an obstacle and say, wait a second, right? I'm going to stop here. There are times when, so the tractor challenge was very unique. So number one, we had to come up with a sensor stack that worked in farming. Number sure. two, we had to make sure that it's something that is accessible to the global farmer. Because our goal from day one was right. don't come up with a multi-million dollar machine that farmers cannot afford because that's not going to yeah, solve yeah. any problem. <laughs> Interesting. And those machines exist, by the way. The big ag equipment companies, those big combine harvesters that you see, sure. in, uh, you know, harvesting corn, soy, they have GPS, they have automation, they have autonomy. They have a lot of these technologies, but they're multi-million dollar machines. Sure. And our whole thesis was for us to change how farming happens around the world. This machine has to be the most lowest common denominator in terms of cost and in terms of a platform. Interesting. So which means our, our tractor is only $50,000. Okay. Wow, that's it's pretty inexpensive. tractor. Yeah, it's a compact tractor, which means it's a, you know, a compact tractor is a 20 to 40 horsepower tractor. Our tractor, because it's electric, can do actually 40 to 70 horsepower. Okay. So inside this $50,000 machine, Kevin, we had to come up with automation and data storage and connectivity. And to answer your question, the way we do localization, right, and is through a combination of GPS plus vision, plus our sensors on the tractor, uh, having having deep control of the platform allows us to to actually precisely locate the tractor with very low cost hardware. 
Okay, but like that's a part of our core technology. Okay, but and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like I've been in like the autonomous driving cars on like the freeway, and like I, I've been in when you like in some cities in America or well all over. Like you have where like you have three lanes and then it goes into two lanes and the car freaks out because it ca it can't figure yeah. <laughs> out like what lane it's supposed to be in. And fair enough. And I'm not knocking the and I'm not going to mention the car company because it's not really their fault. Like it's so like but in a field where you have like different heights of like grass you mentioned, obviously you have parts, probably areas that are soil. You probably have grass. You have probably different, obviously different crops. Like how do you, and they change throughout obviously the growth season. How do you detect, like that's gotta be challenging because it's constantly changing and your tractor has to go down the same rows, but those rows yep. will look very different even like days or weeks apart from each other. Exactly, right. Um, so you've done a great job of framing the challenge. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about a few things that are in our favor, Kevin. Okay. Well. Um, in agriculture and farming, the advantage we have compared to, uh, say, uh, you know, highway autonomy or on-road autonomy okay. is one is speed. Right. Tractors, okay, fair especially enough. Especially when you're doing an operation, don't run at high speed. Right? right. So that's one thing that's in our favor. The second thing that's in our favor is also they're running operations and the tractor drivers are very skilled. And we can have them train us, train the tractor. So okay. that's the reason why our tractor has, you know, we are able to precisely repeat the operation because the driver has trained us. Number two is the farm manager uh, and the fleet manager, they're used to intervening when there are issues. If you're oh, in a highway situation and you suddenly went through the scenario that you talked about, it's a real-time decision that you need to make and solve. In right. farming, it's not, it's not uncommon for the tractor driver to call the farm manager and say, hey, there's a big tra you know, irrigation leak here that I saw while I was doing this. We need to fix this right now, right? Okay. So guys are on call. It's more of, an, of a quote-unquote uh, enterprise kind of uh, uh, automation with okay. support structures in place. So the challenge still exists. Yeah. So, but how we work through that, we have some things that are in our favor, but we have spent a lot of time working through those things. And that's where the technology needs to come in. That's where, when do we call the farmer with an alert, right, with a warning? Right. When do we stop? You know, those are the kind of things that we've been working on for the last two years in the field. And okay. our tractor has been in an actual vineyard doing this kind of daily testing. Interesting. And it's amazing some of the things that we see. Sometimes an animal runs across, right? And we're sure. like, oh, hang on. <laughs> Interesting. Sometimes somebody's dug a ditch there, right? Yeah, for it's sure. supposed to be clean the day before. Yeah. So things change a lot. It's very dynamic. So we, our vision system has to, has to be good at, uh, at identifying those things as well. No, that makes sense. So if I have more than one tractor from monarch do they how much or how little did the two tractors communicate with each other yeah. um the communication goes back into the cloud and that's where we push down our our control changes and insights and operational changes okay so the tractor 
uh, for us, it, most of our farmers, by the way, Kevin, are buying tractors. Uh, they're buying more than one tractor. Right sure. Now. Okay. So the, the orders that we're getting, they're usually looking at two, three, four tractors. The reason for that is if they're deploying a tractor, it makes them for them to train their personnel um, or uh, have them be familiar with this from a service maintenance spare part standpoint, have more than one in their fleet. Right. Okay. Um, so long sense. story short, they buy more than one, but also our portal is more about their operations. So they can say, hey, this tractor is going to go to spraying and this tractor is going to do this other operation. Okay. So we have those intelligence in the background. So the tractor communication between tractor to tractor, we try to minimize because, again, it's a dynamic environment. Right. It's not like the fleet of tractors to do one operation all the time, right? Okay. So, so you're syncing data between them through the cloud for, then? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. That makes sense. So like if one tractor, it, you train one tractor to do something, then it, it can feed yeah. it to your other tractors to do the same thing. Oh, yeah. You can yeah, take okay. the same operation yeah. and say, hey, tractor two, yeah. right, use this spray automation uh, operation, right? I want you to do this from the data that's been collected when the other tractor ran that operation a month ago. So you can do those kind of things. Sure. Interesting. So then how does like different weather and climate play into yeah. all this stuff? Because like, obviously if you're go you're trying to solve like this worldwide problem, obviously some places get mm -hmm. extremely hot, some places get extremely cold yeah. and then everywhere in between. So how do you build a tractor that can kind of work in all the different conditions or have you, or is it too early to tell that yet? Yeah, there's definitely a learning that we'll get. Um, okay. But again, right from day one, we thought of this, our tractor as a global platform. Okay. And we, we made it a compact tractor in this, you know, 40 horsepower class because you can see these, this kind of a tractor everywhere in the world. Every farmer has one, okay. right? if not a bunch of them. So our promise to farmers first, Kevin, is, hey, you know, it's a tractor. It's all electric, does everything your existing tractor does without a compromise. So use it as that, number one. Number two is once you run an operation or you want to do some autonomous features, uh, those are available for you to take advantage of, number two. Number three is you can now start to use the data analytics and the insights from the tractor so that the farmer is back in control of the farm again versus just reacting constantly. Oh my God, temperature, like like right now, whenever there's a temperature change, they get a text message alert, but now they have to jump out. He calls the tractor driver and says, hey, I just noticed that our temperature sensor out in the middle of the field said that there was a big inversion. So what operation are we running? Here's the new settings, stop the operation or modify the operation. Okay. What we, in our, in our world, in our future with the Monarch tractor, that would be automated. The tractor would notice the temperature change, Gotcha. We have a micro weather station, by the way, on the tractor, to your point, weather is a big component in agriculture. Right. And the tractor immediately says, hey, you know, I'm going to make an adjustment on the spray operation uh, based on the preset configuration that the farmer has already put in. The farmer said, until this wind speed, you can do the operation, So, but I'm going to increase the nozzle pressure on the sprayer. Um, 
I'm going to decrease the speed on the tractor side. We can do all of that because our platform, everything on our platform is fully by wire system and fully controllable from the cloud. And we are the only tractor on the planet that can claim that. And not just the tractor, but also the implement control. So that's, those are the kind of things that we, we can do, uh, Kevin. But also what that means is when we go into different situations, the farmer is still in control, right? We don't tell the farmer that this is a solution. We tell the farmer this is a tool. Right. It's going to make your life easier. And you can, you can very easily put in the things that you're doing right now, and we'll make sure that those things happen. This is not a, you buy a tractor, hit the go button, it's going to automate your farm immediately on day one, right? That, that kind of a uh, statement really undercuts the insights that farmers have right. and how hard their job is and how much they think about farming and how, how much uh, uh, thought goes into day-to-day uh, -day farm operations. What we are trying to do is to decrease that labor so that they don't need to get up in the middle of the night and, and say, okay, like make this change uh, on the operation. We can automate that part. Right. So then what types of data do you collect then or can this, the farmer see? And then is there like a monthly fee that they need to pay to, for that cloud access? Yeah, so our tractor uh, has all the data that you would expect from a connected device these days, which is like the speed of the tractor, what gear was it in, what was the implement doing, what were the settings on the implement, what was the location, when and who was managing this operation. Those basics are all there, Kevin, Okay. and that's expected. But on top of that, for the farmer, we have some very powerful data, and the most powerful data is vision, cameras. Right. We, we base our cameras can capture everything from the root of the plant to the fruit zone of the plant. Oh, wow. So we have full 360-degree view that we stitch together for the farmer. So it's almost like the farmer does not need to walk the field regularly. He can basically go to a certain operation and see with great clarity what did that day look like, what was the tractor doing, but also what were the plants look like, what did the ground look like, what, did the, what was the implement looking like with our camera video system. So the video is all available in the cloud. It's just like your security cameras kind of a, a, right. a, a interface. But more importantly, we can also highlight to him the things that he cares about, which is you know less about people identification and more about things like irrigation leaks. This is what the fruit looks like. Hey, by the way, we noticed this this gopher out here, right? Here's right. A, here's an event that you need to pay attention to. So those are the kind of data that we provide back to the farmer, which again is all about saving him time. Sure. Well, and then eventually I'm assuming like, could you do like soil sampling and, and testing of, of different parts of the field? Or is that something you guys like would be yeah. not something you guys would ever do? Yeah. Um, we definitely enable those kind of technologies. The okay. fact that our tractor has electric power on it is automated, right? That's right. a great example that you brought up, Kevin. We are actually talking to a soil sampling company. Um, so they had an $80,000 machine that they had developed that does a fantastic job of collecting soil sampling data, analyzing right. it, and sending that data into the cloud. And once they talked to us, 
they were like, wow, this is awesome because they could now, thanks to our tractor, bring the cost of their soil sampling machine down. So they are talking to us about a $30,000 machine now that can go behind our tractor. Right. And for the farmer, it's before they were basically pulling this behind a pickup truck or an ATV. Sure. And there was manual labor involved in terms of taking the data from the soil sampling machine, putting it into a laptop, and then uploading it into the cloud for insights and analysis. Right. Or they were using connectivity if it was available from their machine. So thanks to our tractor, they removed all that stuff. They said, you know what? We'll just plug into your data interface on the tractor and we'll use your storage, compute, and connectivity to get this data into the cloud where our insight engine will run on it. Sure. And then we can feed the report back to the farmer through your interface. So the machine cost has come down. Interesting. The soil sampling machine is now cheaper. It's easier to collect the data because before the limitation on like how many samples can we take is okay, we need a tractor driver and we need uh, somebody to like kind of run this all through the field and there's a labor cost there and uh, uh, blah, 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 right? So since our tractor is automated and since we have electric power on it and we can actually go all over the field and collect data, um, you know, the cost of collecting the data has come down. And on the inside engine also, we basically directly give them data in the cloud so that their their insight engine can grab it, run, provide the reports, which we again push back to the farmer very quickly. Sure. So a lot of these implement companies, Kevin, are, are reaching out to us and we have a number of key partnerships um, that basically is bringing the cost of data collection, cost of uh, these kind of operations down for the farmer. No, makes total sense. No, that's that's really great. Yeah. But we're we're kind of coming to the end of the show. So how about we close with mentioning yeah. where people can get more information about Monarch and any other links you want to mention? Yeah. yeah. And one big thing, uh, Kevin, that sure. I want to talk about is, okay. uh, you know, this is not just about farmers. This is about you and me. Is once we started on this journey, I realized how much the food and ag ecosystem needs the complete focus of the world, right? We spend so much sure. time talking about our cars, our planes. Right. But why is it that we don't spend that much time talking about tractors and farmers? Sure. So a big part of, of Monarch Tractor is about changing people's perception. So anybody who's interested in the food and ag ecosystem should, should really check us out on monarchtractor.com. Uh, follow us on all the uh, social media channels. Um, and if, if you are interested in getting uh, one of our tractors, uh, taking uh, bookings and reservations, so you can check that out. But most importantly, Kevin, with this tractor, is basically a three-in-one device, right? Our tractor does everything a tractor can. It acts as a mobile generator since we use the electric power. We can actually run a welder in the middle of the field. Which That's is mind cool. Blowing. We provide cool. that much energy in the middle of the field. Yeah. And also it acts like an ATV because we have a frunk in the, in the front of the tractor. <laughs> okay. Our battery is all the way low down. So you can actually use it for moving things around. On that. You know, you can summon the tractor to bring you tools that your partner has loaded up at the barn and you're in the middle of the field. And the tractor will bring you tools that you can just plug into our tractor and use these tools in the middle of the field. So it's a very general purpose device for everybody. So if you, even if you have uh, a ranch um, and you're not a hardcore quote unquote farmer, 
you can still use that tractor. So we're excited about a device that can go global, but also is accessible to one and all. No, that's, that's very cool. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you, and have a good rest of your day, man. Yeah, thanks a lot, Kevin. Thank you. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community, sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.